0: Amen. So this morning, we're going to take a look at this parable of Jesus. The parable of the person praying loudly, I shall not be like these other men, and thank God for that. And the tax collector, someone disliked, someone taking advantage of others, pleading to God with his face thrown to the ground. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. But as we look at this parable this morning, I want to start off uh, looking at kind of a distinction. A distinction between understanding a parable and experiencing a parable and uh, now first when we understand a parable we we kind of know the information we we kind of understand the teaching we we know what Jesus is trying to say and we can take this understanding we can take this teaching we can take this knowledge and we can kind of put it in our pocket for later and and we can take that information and we can pull it out again when when we most need it but when you experience a parable when you experience a parable It changes you. It changes how you live. It changes how you see the world. It kind of even changes who you are. And this morning, we have a parable that is rather easy to understand, unlike other parables that that Jesus tells where we're kind of left scratching our heads. Because Jesus is very kind this time around. He actually just tells you what he is saying. See, at the end of the parable, he explains the teaching. He says this, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. To simply understand this parable is to know that we ought to humble ourselves. and We know it's good for us to stay humble even when things are going right. Simple. Now, many of us probably even teach our children this. It's it's good to be humble. The culture teaches this that it's good to be humble. It's like the country song Always stay humble and kind. So to simply understand this parable, we, we can take that information, we can put it in our pocket, and we can leave today and we can say, Well done, Pastor, great sermon. We should be humble. But we're not interested in just simply knowing the parable. We're far more interested in experiencing it. And it's good for us to experience it. Because it's something absolutely different than simply just knowing it. See, you experience this parable every single Sunday when you sit in these pews. And we did so a few moments ago. Lutherans have this beautiful historic liturgy, this, this, beautiful, this beautiful liturgy put together, and the beauty of it is not that it, that it works well and that it flows well and that it, that it kind of checks all the boxes. The beauty of our liturgy is it's all from Scripture. And so when we see our confession and our absolution, we, we confess our sins, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When you look over in the margins of our hymnal, we'll see that it's this parable. That informs it. And you experience this parable. Forgive me, a poor, miserable sinner. And so we do. We come, and we experience it, and we, ref- we confess our sins, and God forgives us. He says, you are forgiven. You are made righteous in Christ. And so we come, and we actually humble ourselves before the Father like that tax collector where we can't even look up to the heavens, and we acknowledge we have screwed up. And it's good. It's good to simply experience God's grace. It's good to experience the parable. It's good to put teaching into this practice. It's good to live it out so good for you and good for me. But unfortunately, to experience a parable is not so good for your world. See, Luke tells us that Jesus is addressing. Two problems, not one, two. See, Jesus told this parable to some who trusted in themselves and thought that they were righteous. That's the first. We have that one covered. We, we know not to trust in ourselves. You're here this morning because you know not to trust in yourself for righteousness, but to trust in Christ. So good job. We, we have that part covered. But then comes the second problem. He says this. He 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 told this parable to those who trust in themselves who and are righteous, and to those that treat the rest of people with contempt. And this one matters. And if we don't think it matters. Well, Luke does a, tells a story following this parable to, to show us that it matters. See, there were these children and there, there were these people and they were bringing even the infants to go and to touch Jesus, to be near Jesus. They wanted the children by Jesus. And what do the disciples do? They harshly rebuke them. They tell them to get away, to scram, to go play somewhere else. They try to treat these children with contempt. And it matters. It matters because because these two issues are, are intimately connected. That that the that first thing that, that we are a church And if we are only that first thing, if we are a church that is filled with people that come to church just like yourselves every single Sunday, you come, you confess your sins to Jesus, you receive God's grace, but then the moment we step out into the world, we are harsh, cruel, impatient, unkind, and we treat others with contempt. What kind of church does that? And now I'm not saying it's this church, but imagine... Imagine a church that could act and be like that. A a church that comes together to eat and drink the body and blood of Christ and then tomorrow gossips about a fellow brother and sister. Imagine a church like that. Uh, Imagine a church that that sows division and excludes someone from your friend group that, that you come to worship with every single Sunday simply because they might just be a little bit different. Imagine it. Imagine a church body whose pastors are one moment proclaiming the gospel, but the next moment they're going home and they're writing blogs and Facebook posts just tearing down their brother clergy. Imagine that. And now imagine... Imagine if God sent this church out into the world. How will this church respond if, if someone comes and joins? How will this church act and function? How will this church treat someone who joins and they confesses they had an abortion? Imagine that. Uh, imagine how, how the church might treat someone who is maybe suffering from gender dysphoria or, or, from, for, or a teen who is struggling with their sexuality. What, what would that church do? We imagine so much that we realize it's not so hard to imagine that we are righteous. Sometimes we do. We treat others with contempt. But Jesus, Jesus changes how we see our world. See, it isn't a coincidence that the gospel writer Luke follows this parable with people bringing children to Jesus. See, in a world where the righteous often look down on the weary, the broken, the shameful, and the inconvenient, Jesus takes this child, an unexpected gift to the people of God, and he elevates it in society, and he brings them up to the highest order, order, and he he says, look at this child, this infant, who can do nothing on their own. The kingdom of God belongs to them. And Jesus loves children. See, at my former congregation, we used to we we, we would kind of like here, we would invite everyone who's not taking communion to still come forward and receive a blessing. A- and most often the, the people that come forward to receive a blessing are are children who have not been instructed in the Lord's Supper. And to be honest, most often we're kind of trying to get through the line of communion, so, so we kind of give our blessings, we give our blessings, we give our blessings, and, and you don't really think about it often afterwards. You don't. It's kind of a blur. It kind of just all happens all together. But, but there's one that happened a couple of years back in my former parish that, that I'll never forget. Uh, So it's a Sunday and we're distributing the Lord's Supper and everyone's coming forward and and eventually this little girl is kneeling at the altar rail and and she's waiting for her blessing. And I'm kind of in my my zone, I'm giving the Lord's Supper, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, and then I come to this girl and I'm normally fairly well composed and, and I can't help but just burst out in laughter. Because as I I kind of bend down to her height so I can look her in the eye there, she's staring there right back at me, about to give the blessing, and her finger is about two knuckles deep in her right nostril and a smile on her face. And of course, I bless her, urging her to remember the promises of her baptism, her finger firmly in place. And she smiled. She walks away. And I learned something valuable that day. See, it seems like a a funny little story about a little child doing a child thing. But yet it sticks in my mind as we read today's gospel. That it's these ones. These are the ones that Jesus calls to himself. The kingdom of heaven belongs to that little girl who stuck her finger halfway up her nose. She approached the Lord's table in that manner. And it's her that Christ invites to come forward and warns anyone who might try to stop her. And many people maybe would look at this child and be tempted to treat her with contempt telling her to take that finger out of her nose. It's not appropriate. It's unsanitary. It's disgusting. It's irreverent. It's inappropriate, and we shouldn't be doing it. We don't want to disgust Jesus. We don't want to scare him away. We don't want him to get germs on him. Yet have you noticed... That Jesus never speaks about his followers as adults who are well groomed and put together, who are successful and wise and and intelligent. No, he speaks of them as children. Children who seem to have their finger up their nose. And we can learn from this, we can find joy in this. We're all children. You and me. We just sang about it in two different hymns. All of us are invited by Jesus to come to him where he has promised to be. And by the way, we do far worse than come before Christ with a finger up our noses. Instead, we we come before him with lips that have spread lies and have gossiped with our friends. We come before Jesus with hands that have typed rude comments, hands that have hit, and hands that have stolen. We come to Jesus with eyes that have lusted and have judged others based simply on their appearance. We have come to Jesus in discontentment, wanting more than we have been blessed with, even though we've been blessed with much. We come to Jesus with feet that have not gone out to share his message but have remained idle. We come to Jesus far more repulsive than that child who comes up with a finger in their nose. But Jesus does not hinder us. He does not hinder you. He does not keep you away at arm's length. He does not rebuke you harshly. And He does not say, I do not approve. Instead, He says, Come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to you. Other people might say these things. Other people might tell you, you're not worthy, you're too sinful, you're too bad, and you're too wrong, but not Jesus. No one said Jesus continues to invite. He continues to give himself. And he calls you. He calls you today to come to his table, to come and receive his body and blood to come and hear his words of forgiveness that are for you. And when he sees you as you really are with whatever you bring, he will not cast you away. But instead, he'll smile. He will invite you to come and sit and drink and eat. He will look at you, and he will say, You are forgiven. For you are his child, and the kingdom of heaven belongs even to you. Even if your finger is up your nose, but I'd encourage you to refrain. Rejoice. The kingdom of heaven is yours, my brothers and sisters. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus until he returns. Amen.